All right, everybody, don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they are located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses, as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you will experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are I. Just like that, a click of a button, and uh, we're live. So I got Priscilla back on the podcast today. Um, this is going to be the wrap-up to the carnivore diet, uh, and we're going to flip the script a little bit. 
because we came up with an idea the other day that you know Priscilla's going to host this and I'm going to kind of be more of the interviewee and we're still going to go back and forth and there's a lot of topics that we're going to discuss but I just thought like what a great way to be able to pull the information out of me is by somebody probing me a little bit more um, they're also just going to go back and forth about cardboard diet in general um, you know and some of the options that you know Priscilla has explored and you know maybe some changes that she's made to her diet so um, there we go it's all on you now hit it up all right. So Blake, my first question for you is what intrigued you about the carnivore diet? I know that you're messing with a few different kinds of diets and this was your first experiment, but what was your first, I don't know, um, what's your first go around? Like, did you scroll upon it on social media? Did a friend tell you about it? What's up? Um, you know, I think about just like, is I'm pretty entrenched in, you know, like the health and fitness industry. And like, obviously like I do a lot of research that you know, correlates with like different diets, you know, I'm always listening to different podcasts. And it just seems like something that keeps repeatedly coming up time and time again is people trying the carnivore diet, you know, trying to understand the carnivore diet, um, the controversy between the carnivore diet and, you know, like vegans and vegetarian plant based people like there's just there's a lot of narrative right now, like if you're anywhere in this space of health and wellness, or like investigating like different options around that, there's a lot of um, like information that's starting to come online and just a lot of controversy behind it. The one thing that really intrigued me about it in general was the correction of like autoimmune disorders. You know, like a lot of people who would have like arthritis or leaky gut, um, you know, like massive inflammation in the body. Because I think like there's this, there's this process, you know, like that we go through where, where our body metabolizes meat and how it mimics the effects of fasting and like the spinoff benefits of that, like, I just wanted to kind of feel for my own and just, and just see, you know, because of the fact like that I've spent 36 years kind of fine tuning exactly where I'm at right now. And I just wanted to go through these diets because it's been a long time since I've actually committed to a diet. And I actually didn't even know if I'd be able to tough it out for 30 days, to be honest. So, um, yeah, like sheer interest and intrigue and, you know, January's world carnivore month. And I know we kind of passed that, but Obviously, going through January, there's just a lot of buzz about the carnivore diet. So it's just something that's kind of being inundated with. So I was like, well, why not do just be the first diet in this challenge? Right. And did you have any autoimmune diseases yourself? Can you give me a little history on your health and well-being when it comes to your gut and fitness? You said you've been doing this for a very long time. I just want to hear more about it. Yeah. Um, I would say the only thing, like I was born with glomerulonephritis, nephritis, so it's a kidney disease. And from what I understand, like I don't suffer from it at all anymore. I haven't got it checked in probably 20 years, over 20 years, because the last time I went for an ultrasound, uh, the technician and the doctor said that like, you can't even see, you know, anymore. Like it doesn't look like that. I have like any, um, related like symptoms or there's no visual evidence of having glomerulonephritis anymore. Uh, so from that point on, I just said, well, I, I'm not the type of person that's going to keep going back to the doctor, go to the doctor, period, unless if there's like an actual need to go. Um, and from that point on, I just didn't feel like there was any need to be able to go in for the reoccurring checkups. Um, now, because I do try new things all the time, you know, whether or not it's a full diet change or not, but I introduce things and take things in and out of my diet. Um, I would say that I almost have a chronic upset stomach all the time by choice. <laughs> Um, just because like, like I, I'm an experimenter, like I love to do experiment. And that's the whole point behind this, like, you know, six month experiment with diets and being on the carnivore diet and all that kind of stuff. Um, is because 
we know, and I think to be able to have any authority to be able to talk about a subject, we actually need to immerse ourselves in it and say, well, what does happen? You know, not just read a book, not just listen to podcasts and not just talk to people. It's like, if you really want to know, I think we need to experiment with these things ourselves. Um, and because I do that, there's always some kind of like stomach related issue. But again, it's by choice. I don't actually have uh, any, any issues over and above that. Sure. Did you find like your stomach aches and pains, they were relieved with carnivore? How did that feel when you were doing this experiment? Um, I actually feel that my stomach has never felt so good in my entire life. Like I just, I always tell people, it feels like my stomach and like my intestines and everything just got pressure washed. And like, you know, when you're eating clean carnivore because I actually really realized this going through too and I talk about it quite a bit now is the difference between like a clean carnivore and a dirty carnivore so like a clean carnivore is like I label it more that if you're really focused on eating you know like your meats and your fish and you know like just actual good quality meat that to me would be clean um carnivore now where I kind of got backed into a corner is last weekend I went hiking lots and you know like when I went hiking I'm you know, like I brought like beef jerky and like pepperoni, so like stuff I could carry in my pack because when I'm gone, I'm gone for 10, 12, 14 hours, you know, and I can't just start a fire, you know, cook a steak or, you know, anything along those lines. So I had to find meat sources, even though I didn't necessarily agree with them. I had to find meat sources that I could eat that would be convenient, convenient to that type of environment. Now, the problem is, is that after we were hiking all day, we got back home and I wanted to be able to go, go to the grocery store and get like a nice big steak, get some good quality meat. When we went to the grocery store, there was no meat. There was only there was like bacon and smokies and like all this junk. So I'm like, well, there's no other option. Like, cause like it just so happens to fall under like COVID-19 things where like people are just like buying meat Hoarding. crazy. Right. So like, you know, I go in there, like there's literally like like nothing. You know, I think there's like frozen turkeys and stuff. And like obviously that just wasn't an option. So that night then you know like we ate a bunch of smokies and hot dogs and bacon just like meat and i i knew i was going down this bad road um and then the next morning i woke up felt like garbage and i'm just like okay well i'm gonna go back into the back country because it's super nice um and then realized once i organized everybody so i'm like we're leaving in an hour who's coming then all these people are like okay you know i'm gonna come you'll keep our social distance you know be in the back country get some fresh air and i'm like oh wait i have no meat again I didn't like just my mind because I'm we're just getting back into hiking season. So normally I always like nuts and seeds and all like really high fat stuff when I'm back there. So then I was like back to the beef jerky and pepperoni that I'd left over from the day before that I didn't want to eat. So like for two days, I was eating this garbage quality meat and I really felt it for about three or four days after that. Like just like, you know, my stomach felt upset. Like it just like I, my body felt gross. My mind wasn't thinking clearly. Um, but it really made me realize when you're actually on a clean carnivore diet that you can feel fantastic. And then, you know, it kind of got back into them as I was doing my research online, seeing people eating pork rinds and cheese and milk and butter and like all these things that I don't really consider just because they're a byproduct of an animal. I don't necessarily really agree with eating them on a carnivore diet because to me, a carnivore diet, you're looking at more fleshy related things, right? Um, you know, so like I didn't go that far, but yeah, like just seeing like how, where some people go, it's been really interesting to see the spectrum of like what people justify as being strictly on the carnivore diet, because, you know, like there's this one guy that I'm following on Instagram right now that, um, claims that he's on a carnivore diet, but he eats pork rinds, dips his stuff in, um, uh, mustard and ketchup, puts hot sauce on his eggs. And like, 
all these things where it's like, well, yes, you're eating predominantly meat, but it depends on what your definition of the carnivore diet is, you know, like, and so that's where like, I think things become skewed and, you know, the difference between like clean carnivore and dirty carnivore, but yeah. So the extremely long answer short is that when I'm eating clean carnivore, feel fantastic. I mean, like dirty carnivore, I feel terrible. Well, dirty carnivore, like you said, it's the processed stuff. It's the hot dogs and sausages, all these things that are processed and they don't contain the micronutrients inside of them. Whereas if you eat a grass-fed steak, it contains all these beautiful vitamins that your body is actually absorbing. So you mentioned butter and that you didn't like that. Why is that? I found that interesting. Um. Well, because the thing is, I have found butter, there's always this like this point of no return or like this, this breaking point. I feel like butter is that right. So because like you can get fat related sources from other things where you didn't, don't necessarily need to use like butter to be able to like cook with. Now, if you can justify butter, well, why can't you justify cheese? If you can justify butter, why can't you justify milk? If you can justify butter, why can't you justify yogurt? You know, like all these different things that kind of come along with it. Like where, where does it stop? So I feel like butter is kind of that thing where I don't know why it became like accepted because if you look at like how you make butter, it's like, well, why don't you drink milk? And if it, then it's like, well, if you, you know, if you're getting milk or if you're getting butter from milk products, then again, why can't you eat cheese or why can't you eat yogurt? Because they're all essentially the same thing. So like, right. that's where I kind of find like butter to be, if you're going to go with butter, you might as well go with all dairy products because you're already venturing down that road. Why does butter get the exclusion? I don't, maybe you have an answer to that. I have absolutely no idea. So I guess my question to you is like, you know, that milk and yogurt those still contain things like sugar and carbohydrates. Do you feel like people tolerate butter more because there's the lack of sugar and carbohydrates and it's just a pure fat source? Um, I feel like there's added sugar, but like, like lactose is just naturally occurring in, um, in dairy products, like what, you know, like some like micronutrients would in meat. So it's not like lactose is added to milk. That's just the sugar that's naturally occurring in milk. It's like fructose and sugar, you know, sure. so like, um, you know, if it was added now, if you were eating a yogurt where it was like blueberry yogurt or something like that, then yeah, no, I totally don't agree. Or, you know, like. So like it, it, if you were eating all natural sources, like, yes, but you know, again, like butter goes through its own kind of processing to be able to become butter. You know, like there's, there's different levels and different varying degrees of like what you consider to be a processed food, you know, but there is a process that goes into making butter, which makes it a processed food. Now, some processed foods are a lot worse than others, um, but it still falls into that category. As long as there's nothing added to it, then it should technically be fine. So if it's like, if you can find milk straight out of a cow or, you know, like, you know, like the worst that it is, is pasteurized. Well, they also typically add salt to, um, to butter to, in its own natural way of pasteurizing, which is just a preservative for butter. So, Definitely. you know, you kind of, that's where I say, like, it kind of gets to that point, right? You know, where if you can justify butter, you should then be opening up the door to these other things, as long as there's not added ingredients to them. Um, to be able to kind of skew it maybe like off like that um, that animal product category. And I think this is where we're going to bring it back to clean carnivore because I feel like people don't realize that raw dairy is actually an option. That's something that we can look for in, 
with local farmers, whatever, I'm sure you can go to realmilk.org and it'll show you where you need to go to get these real milk um, products from. But I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, butter still has lactose in it and that can become inflammatory. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. You're kind of av advocating for that. You're teaching me something new to speak out of because I've, have you heard of ghee before? Have what? Ghee. Mm-mm. So ghee is where the oh, lactose yeah, yeah. is Sorry, extracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. I think that's a good option for people if they want to add their fats. But I just think it was interesting how you mentioned that butter was something that you don't necessarily agree with because it's still a dairy product, which still causes issues to people. And I feel like butter is really palatable. You can mm -hmm. really overconsume that, and that can become problematic as well. Yeah. So where did you? Like, to me, oh, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and like to me, like. I would just, I would rather choose like a fattier steak or I would rather, you know, like render down some bone marrow and use that, you know, like just scoop out some bone marrow and, you know, like to put in a pan, like I'll bake down bone marrow, collect the oil, put it in a mason jar and then use that, you know, to be able to cook with and stuff. So like I, I found like other ways of doing that um, versus just using butter like that. That's just a choice that I made. So what did a normal day of eating look like for you when it came to your protein and your fat sources? Did you count macros, calories? What, what did that um, look yeah, like? Yeah, I did. I feel like pretty much like the average, like I was about 250 to 300 grams of protein a day and I was about 300 to 350 grams of fat a day. Um, and like obviously carbohydrates would, like I think the highest I got was 35 or 40 grams, but I think that's when I was pushing the scales of like 350 grams of protein and almost 400 grams of fat, which there's always going to be like just like that little bit of edge of like carbohydrates that comes out of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, and I think that was the day that I ate a lot of uh, oysters too. So there's still a little bit more carbohydrates in oysters. But um, when it came to like a typical day of eating, you know, I kind of got in a routine of like um, less like farm fresh eggs and like the bacon that I was eating was um, antibiotic free, hormone free, pasture raised, grain fed, like bacon. So like, um, that's actually like all my meat uh, predominantly was because of like where I get it from. Um, I ate tons of beef ribs. I probably ate seven or eight racks of beef ribs, which I found funny because at the beginning when I would eat other stuff with beef ribs before I going on the carnivore diet, I could maybe eat two beef ribs, maybe three. Um, and I would be full, but I could eat easily eat seven beef ribs, um, like a whole entire rack of beef ribs myself was on the carnivore diet. Um, same thing with like a 20 ounce steak. It'd be hard for me to finish before, but I could like just pound that back now. No problem. Um, a pound of beef is always easy for me to eat, but I could eat um, you know, about a pound and a half of uh, ground beef now. Uh, same thing with lamb. Um, I would say like my main sources of, uh, of protein Pastors, my main sources of meats, I guess, like in general, would be lamb, uh, pork, beef, and oysters. Okay. And then organs, did you supplement with any? Like um, we talked about ancestral supplements last time. Did you look into that at all for your carnivore journey? Did you just eat, you know, a tongue here, liver there? What What did that look like? Was that something that you prioritized? Um. I ate beef liver and stuff a little bit more towards the end um, and a little bit more nose to tail towards the end because the meat that I ordered, um, like all the, like the heart, the kidneys, the liver and all that kind of stuff, 
um, because of the COVID-19 thing is actually on delay or like it got back ordered and I wasn't able to be able to get it until a few days, like, well, maybe about four days ago. Um, so I actually like really miss out on that because um, I only want to eat those sources. Um, you know, I still kind of have a standard of the quality of meat that I want to eat when I have a choice that. So I just didn't want to go to like the grocery store and just buy a beef liver from there if it wasn't something that I knew exactly that was coming from like a like a uh, grass-fed pasture-raised cow, like no hormones, no antibiotics, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I didn't supplement with anything. Um, I just really tried to make sure that I had lots of bone marrow, was eating as much organ meat as I could, lots of different shellfish, and just the variety of different uh, meat sources was there. So did you come into carnivore more from like a keto mentality where you needed to prioritize your fat? Because I don't know if you've heard in this space, a lot of people just say, eat as much protein as you want. And I personally disagree with that. I feel like you still need to have a fuel source. If you don't have carbohydrates, you need to have adequate or high amounts of fat. So I just want to know where you're coming from. Clearly what you said, your macros were like 400 grams of fat to a lesser amount of protein. So I can already guess where you're going to go with this. Um, I just don't shy away from eating fat and it just seems like the sources of food that like I found were higher in fat. Um, you know, and then where a lot of my fat would come from is from bone marrow. You know, it's like when you're adding like, you know, like bone marrow, like into like these, um, like these data collectors and stuff, like there'd be a lot of, a lot of my fat would come from like bone marrow. Now, the reason why, like, so I'm a little bit more fat adapted and wanted to be continue to be fat adapted, you know, during this process anyway. Um, you know, because I was typically on a little bit more of a ketogenic diet going into this. Um, and the one thing I was actually really worried about, which originally happened when I was eating just predominantly all protein and really minimalizing the fats, is that I was becoming too glucose dependent. Like, you know, my body was metabolizing that protein, you know, like glycogenesis was happening like in my body and my blood sugar levels were all over the place which was not something that I was used to, nor was it something that I wanted. So I was like, okay, well, there's no restriction on fat. As long as it comes from like an animal-based fat, I'm going to stick with it. Plus the sources of where I was getting my fat from, like, you know, like fatty fish, like I said, like bone marrow, fatty cuts of steak, you know, obviously beef ribs are super fatty, um, you know, and like the bacon that I was eating was, was quite fatty too. So um, I, I added more fat in, um, into my diet because of not only the blood sugar regulation, but also hormone regulation too, because when my blood sugar levels were going up and down, my moods were just like all over the place, like not, not irritable, but more, um, like down and not very energetic and, um, yeah, just not very like enthusiastic. And I didn't like that. I'm not used to having like dysfunctional hormone levels. And I felt that process coming and I didn't want to try to struggle through it for a month. You know, when I came into the carnivore diet as well, I experienced the same kind of thing because I was seven months pregnant when I started it, but I still had that keto mentality. So I was still tracking my micronutrients, my high fat. I was making sure I was getting 70, maybe even 80% from animal fat, things like suet, which is equivalent to bone marrow. It's just pure animal raw fat. And I I felt really good. My energy was high. I was just bouncing around. I had a newborn baby and a three-year-old as well. And I could just do everything. I felt like super mom. And then once I kind of railed it back on the fat, I was experiencing the same thing. I was just kind, kind of not depressed, just not 
uppity. I would get through my day. I would feel sluggish as well. And I feel like in the carnivore space, a good message to tell people is that you still need to prioritize that because for good things that you mentioned, you know, regulating your blood sugar and your hormones so that stuff doesn't happen. Because what kills me the most is when people say, eat as much protein as you want until you're full. Well, that can mean that you eat a whole bunch of chicken breasts. That's just lean, lean, lean. You can't be depriving your body of fat source fat sources because that's what fuels your mitochondria you know you need the cholesterol you need that so um yeah i guess that's where i wanted to leave at that anything you want to add but these are the things where like and this is why i wanted to put this information out there and the reason why i also value having a conversation with you and why i think that more conversations need to happen around it and more information needs to be put out there is because like, again, I think that if people are going to go on a carnivore diet, understanding the difference between a clean carnivore diet and a dirty carnivore diet based on what I keep seeing on Instagram is absolutely key because there's a lot of people who are going to do more harm to the diet, like also to their body. But the one part that I don't like is like just when people kind of rabbit hole themselves and like they start putting out all this information, they see like, the, like again, like I see people with, like, eating like cheap open-faced cheeseburgers obviously like no bun but just piling on the cheese piling on the bacon all this kind of stuff and you know like uh like the pork rinds really killed me like just all these kind of things where if you're going to eat like that no no matter what diet you're on you're not going to be healthy you know so like i don't want the carnivore diet to be labeled as an unhealthy diet if that's how people are choosing to live on a carnivore diet because there's a huge difference in eating like that than like you said a pasture raised beef or you know like eating game meat or pasture raised lamb like there you're going to have a massive difference or even if you're eating nose to tail because that's actually the one thing i found about a lot of carnivores online is that they're pretty hypocritical because they're not eating nose to tail like at all yeah and i'm seeing that a lot too in the space it's like they're eating ribeye after ribeye after ribeye i can agree with that i you just to a small extent, whatever pulls you away from the standard American diet, right? Yeah. But after a certain amount of time, you need to start prioritizing the entire animal because ultimately that's what's going to make you feel good. There's other nutrients in beef liver that you're not going to find in muscle meat. It's just not going to happen. You're going to get high levels of vitamin A, vitamin B12, you're going to get your zinc, your roboflavin, all from liver. And you're not, you're not going to find that in muscle meat, or at least not a sustainable amount without, again, overdoing it on the protein, which is going to put you through glycogen. You want to say that word for me? Because I can't say it to save my life. Glycogenesis? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I, can't, I can't. I don't know why. <laughs> we all have those words. Don't worry. I got a whole list full of them, too, that I get tongue-tied through. So we're all, we're all kind of the same. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just going to become problematic after a while. And when you're looking at pork rinds, for an example, what's the nutrition behind that? It's basically air. In, in my opinion, you're going to get fat sources, but you're not going to really be absorbing any nutrient or nutrients or getting any fuel from that at all. And it kind of saddens me because you can get away from the standard American diet and eat a bunch of cheese and say that that's healthy and that that's carnivore. But at the end of the day, it's really not providing your body with much nutrition. So, yeah. Well, and then, like you said before, just like the increased inflammation and like, if you're eating the, uh, if you want to go on the carnivore diet, I would presume that somebody would want to go on the carnivore diet to be able to reduce inflammation in their body. Now, if you start eating all these dairy products and increasing the inflammation, it's kind of counterintuitive to what you're doing. Definitely. And I feel like on the carnivore diet, you end up almost being more sensitive, but 
at the same time, I kind of disagree with that because I feel like we've always been sensitive to these certain things. And it's just now we're starting to notice it when you cut out all the crap and you start eating grass fed, grass finished um, meat and making sure that you're eating pasture-raised chicken, et cetera, whatever. But when you start introducing bad things in, again, going back to cheese or pork rinds, your body might not like that or feel better on that. And people ask themselves why that is. And in my opinion, it's just, you've always been sensitive to it. And now that your body's been on clean fuel, now you're starting to hear the background noise of things that are irritating. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, just, like, um, I think it's, sorry, just to add to that, like, I don't think the average person realizes how terrible they actually feel even on days when they've convinced themselves they feel good in contrast to how terrible they actually feel because they actually don't even know what it feels like to feel fantastic. Definitely. For sure. They just are so conditioned to already feel like crap. So if they don't get a stomach ache today or not as bad as one, they consider that a good day. Like, do you know what it feels like to not have pain in your entire body, to not have a headache, to not have to have a cup of coffee at three o'clock in the afternoon? And I think that's what most Americans are walking around like. They need that pick me up in the afternoon and they don't realize that's because their blood sugar is creeping up so fast and skyrocketing down. And that's all from the food that they're consuming. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess the next place that I want to go is electrolytes with that, because when you're crashing from a blood sugar thing, that could be equivalent to being off on your electrolytes. Did you feel any offness when you were doing this diet? Did you need to add more salt to fix that? What? Um, I actually did. And the reason why, so I didn't, I guess I kind of started adding a little bit of salt, but I also tried to really watch adding any salt because I knew that I was eating bacon, um, you know, and I knew that like, you know, I had like these things like beef jerky and all that kind of stuff where there was like salt in it. And I was just worried about my sodium levels, like just getting a little too high because of those things. Um, now, like some of the things that like I experienced that from like an inflammation and, um, you know, like a lack of electrolytes perspective that I've never felt before is um, like lower back discomfort, uh, like ankle and knee uh, discomfort, like inflammation, um, like cramping in my muscles, like lots of cramping, like uh, between my biceps brachia, my uh, brachioradialis, um, uh, cramping in my left calf. Like it really seemed like the left side of my body had a, quite a bit of cramping to it. And the thing is like for me, like I'm very performance-based. My activity level is extremely, extremely high. So I know how my body always operates and feels. And arguably, I've done less activity in the last two weeks because of this whole COVID-19 thing than what I've done for a long time. So my body somewhat should feel a little bit better. Um, where, you know, in the last, you know, maybe 10 days of, you know, I'm probably close to about 125 kilometers between the backcountry and street in the last 10 days. Um, so I'm like, well, maybe that's what brought up the impact on my ankles and my knees. But the only thing is I'm also not playing squash four or five days a week for an hour um, each time, which that's a huge amount of stress and impact on your ankles and your knees. And I always am in the backcountry hiking and all that kind of stuff and running hills on the street. So none of these things are that abnormal. So I was trying to find an excuse for it. Um, but I did find that, but I was adamant that I was not going to supplement anything because I wanted to be strictly just on a carnivore diet and that's it. 
and not add any supplements, no like electrolyte formulas or anything. I just wanted to strictly get all my um, my nutrients from meat and just see how my body reacted to it from that. Okay. So I could seem like I ran into some issues just doing that approach as well. And it's not a bad one. I just feel like with anything, when you're that restrictive, you still get different nutrients from different foods, even outside of meat. And I made a joke earlier about a carnivore police might get at me because I'm starting to eat an avocado again. I was finding that my electrolytes were becoming imbalanced and I didn't want to do any supplementation, same mentality, just wanted to get it from the food, from the animal products. But potassium is something I was finding that I just couldn't get enough of in muscle meats or organs. So once I started adding in just an avocado a day, I started feeling a lot better, a lot less of the moodiness, the fogginess, the the irritability because I needed to add so much salt onto my onto my meat on top of taking a fourth of a teaspoon of Redmond real salt in the morning with water. And I feel like I was just chronically becoming dehydrated because my body was fighting for the magnesium, the potassium, and the sodium. Yeah. So I feel like my carnivore experience has increased actually because I'm getting more nutrient density from the animal products plus adding in that avocado for supplement for you know my form of supplementation rather than going online and ordering a pill of just potassium citrate. See, and you know, and the interesting things with that, you know, cause like potassium is ob- obviously like huge for heart health as well. You know, and for me, since I'm so performance based that like I need to be able to have a strong heart, a strong mind and strong bone marrow. Um, and anything that rocks those systems is hard because I've specifically spent all these years coming up with these formulas, these concoctions to make sure that those three things especially my bone marrow is just like functioning at an all time high because like that is just, it's absolutely key for recovery, for performance, for everything. Right. Um, now this is the question that I, that I ask people regularly and and you kind of just alluded to it. Um, is that, so if you're on a carnivore diet and you accept that you're going to supplement things in because you want to make sure that your vitamins and minerals are there. So, does that have to come in the form of pills to be okay? Okay, air quotes, right? So because people automatically would, yes, condemn you, say like, well, you're not a carnivore anymore because you're eating an avocado. It's like, okay, well, fine. But if I order these pills online, they are derivatives of food. That's not meat. So it's the same thing. But is it the same thing? See, these are these weird gray areas that I find are back to like the butter. You know, yeah. like, it's like, okay, well, why is, why would some, somebody argue with me and say, well, yes, you can eat butter, but no, you can't eat cheese or no, you can't drink milk or no, you can't eat yogurt. It's like, well, if you're having butter, you can't eat all four of those. Cause they're all the same thing. Well, if you're going to eat it, if you're going to say, oh, I'm going to take this multivitamin and multimineral because I know I need to get these extra nutrients. Why not consume those in a natural form anyway? Because you're also going to get um, you know, more nutrients than just maybe that one specific thing. This is also kind of wraps in and is a good segue into how I feel and something that I wanted to talk about. And I've always been an advocate of this perspective anyways, that I don't think that the carnivore diet is the be all end all. I think it's great for two or three things that we can discuss after if you want. Um, but I think having, you know, good quality food, that is the key. And There's always going to be like, if you're purely just vegan, you're going to be missing out on things. If you're purely carnivore, you're going to be missing out on things. But I think if you really focus on what makes you feel good and you really do your research, 
you can come up with an absolutely like incredible protocol to follow and you're going to feel amazing. Exactly. And I think that's where we're all coming from, from the carnivore space is that we just want to prioritize good quality food and making sure that we're getting the nutrients that we need and, you know, reducing inflammation. That's the big thing here is inflammation stems everything. It stems your depression, your anxiety. It stems like your sleep. If you're not getting good sleep, if you have mental clarity or not, it stems all of these other problems. And you, we want to be able to reduce that with the way that we eat. Right? So if we're missing a couple things, I, I argue that who's really doing the wrong thing here when you're going to GNC and buying the most high quality potassium that you can get, or just going to the grocery store and getting an organic avocado, like who's doing better here, in my opinion. Yeah. I would say that it's just wiser to get it from your food and we can't be so dogmatic because I think that's where I don't want to make anyone mad, but I think that's where we can kind of talk about the vegan community where they're so closed minded in a way where they can kind of get ugly when you want to steer away from the vegan diet if you need something else that you're not getting from the way that you're eating. So why would we want to be that community if we talk about how much we dislike that? I feel like we just need to stick to our word that we are open and kind and that we want to get everything from from food sources. So I just think there's a different dogma between the vegan community and the carnivore community. But people might come at me for not wanting to just eat all meat. But then again, I'm not like Michaela Peterson, who has all of these autoimmune diseases, which enable her to only eat red meat. Me, myself, again, going to bio-individuality, I have a different gut biome than she does or than you do or than the person that's listening to this. So we all need to figure out what helps us feel our best, perform our best, and just be the best people that we can be. Yeah. You know, and like those are like really key points because it's like, so say like for somebody like Michaela Peterson, you know, and you know, obviously a lot of people know by like how much her dad has talked about her and how vocal she is, you know, like on the carnivore diet. But if you had that many other underlying health concerns, So you traded a few of those, you know, like what maybe like the detriments of being on like a strict carnivore diet, she's still further ahead. But the thing is, I didn't have any of those autoimmune issues. So anything to me is backwards, you know, so like I, it's not, it is not responsible of me as a person for myself. And it's also not responsible me to be able to put information out there to say that I think the carnivore diet is the deal. I know for people who don't really have a lot of underlying health concerns that could potentially be you know, correct it. But if you take like a lot of, you know, like doctors that are into biomedical science, and, you know, nutrition science still say that Michaela Peterson probably can be eating other things, but it would take a lot of experimentation to do so. And that experimentation is probably not worth it to her, you know, because it's going to bring inflammation back to her body. It's going to make her stomach upset. It's going to do all these things and she's operating good now. Now, will there be a point in time where she's not going to be able to do that? There may be, you know, that like that day may never come for her. But I do know for myself that after about three weeks, the first three weeks, I never had a craving for anything. I was just flying down the road. I felt fantastic. But about three weeks in, I'd have these like these little thoughts like, oh, some chocolate would be good right now, you know, because like I love like, you know, about 80% dark chocolate, but then it would just pass. Like I didn't really care. It wasn't, it wasn't a craving. It was a thought or like, I want this mixture that eat, you know, like with 
almond butter, coconut oil, milled flax and all that kind of stuff. You know, but then I had some like today and I realized that it doesn't really is more of a thought than like a need or they want, you know, like pickles and hummus. Like I love pickles and hummus. Like that's just my thing. Like I absolutely love it. But so when I started thinking about those things again, you know, after not thinking of them at all for about three weeks, then I realized that my body was deficient in some nutrients and I really needed to start saying, okay, well, what's important to me? So that's why like, if I was to like go on the carnivore diet for a prolonged period of time, I would definitely look back at some of the things that I value in my diet that make me feel great. Um, like coconut oil, you know, like avocado, um, like plantains, you know, like things like that, that I know make me feel and help me keep me functioning at a very high rate. I would introduce those things to some extent to kind of offer like a little bit of nutrient balance. And I definitely would um, get on a really solid multivitamin and multimineral for sure. Definitely. And I think the big question to everyone that's listening is like, what's your quality of life? Like what is going to enhance that? If having some dark chocolate here makes you happy, makes you feel good, you don't get a headache after it, no joint pain, go for it. Live your life. But the big takeaway from carnivore is just make sure that you're eating clean meats to reduce anything that's causing any autoimmune diseases or any flare-ups or any mood disorder. For me, I would experience a lot of binge eating where I would never feel satiated when I was doing keto. So to me, that was letting me know that something that I was eating was making those thoughts that um, lack of satiation happen for me. But carnivore, that kind of cured it. So I think that's why I adhere to the diet so well, because Somewhere, somehow, I'm becoming so nutritionally satisfied where I don't feel the need to just gorge on food until my stomach's about. It's actually funny that you say that. And, you know, like this is a great way to talk about what happened to me last night. So um, because the one thing that I realized that I love about the carnivore diet. Well, actually, hold on. I'm going to talk about this first. I think that the carnivore diet uh, or the carnivore community has a social responsibility to start talking more about um, eating local, shopping local, and eating nose to tail. Because those things are really going to change the face of like our meat consumption and the impact of meat on the planet, even for people who aren't carnivore. Um, I think that they have that social responsibility to be able to do a better job of that. And if you're going to be on the carnivore diet, eating nose to tail is something that you should absolutely be adopting. Um, but so like last night, you know, like for supper, I had bacon wrapped prawns, uh, crab cakes, salmon burger, um, which are just pressed salmon, like in a patty, um, mm -hmm. like some dill and some parsley in it. Um, and, uh, six ounces of a New York steak and then, um, grilled vegetables. So red peppers, green peppers, purple onions, mushrooms, and then some like homemade fried rice that had, uh, is like white basmati rice with eggplant egg and, you know, just a few things in it. So, during the entire time of the carnivore diet, I never felt stuffed, like uncomfortably full, gross, hating life. Can't believe I just did that to myself. Like all those narratives that you always hear. Last night, after eating, you know, like like the rice and like the veggies on like on top of that, because the meat that I ate, I would have ate probably three times more meat than what I ate there, uh, or like that I ate last night because I had this other stuff, but I felt so disgustingly full. Like my stomach was just like, like distended, like crazy. My skin hurt. 
you know, like my stomach was super upset. Like I was shifting all over. Like I couldn't get comfortable at all. Um, like when I would drink some water, like, you know, it just felt like the water was sitting up high. Um, just all things I haven't felt in a long time. When I went to bed, I woke up this morning, my, my, um, my duvet was all over the floor, twisted up. My pillows were like scattered all over the bed. I could tell I was tossing and turning a lot during my sleep. And I woke up this morning, my stomach still felt super uncomfortable. Um, and like my energy was low. And then when I had it, this, I always drink um, 32 ounces of water when I first wake up in the morning and have like one of those 16 ounce glasses. I got halfway through that. I didn't even want to drink any water anymore because it was just sitting so like high up in my stomach. And all these things weren't things that I'm used to feeling. And I'm like, to eat an entire rack of beef ribs and not feel that same way. But then this way you toss like, you know, like some rice and some veggies into that, which is the only difference out of the stuff that I would normally be eating. Um, I was just, it really opened up my eyes of like that, that gorged feeling like you've, you've ate so much, you feel stuffed and like uncomfortable because it's just not something you ever feel on the carnivore diet. Like, do you ever feel that way? Like no matter how much meat you eat, like, do you ever feel like stuffed like that where you feel sick? No, never. And it's impressive to me that you say that too. Not impressive, but it's just relieving to hear another person say that as well, because I could eat three or four pounds of meat in a day and I could feel fantastic. I will still have, you know, a flatter stomach and I feel like I could go for a run. I, I'm just energized. I'm fueled. I'm fueled for the day. And then if I were to eat something like, let's say a salad, I'm sluggish. I don't want to do nothing. I want to take a nap. And I feel like that's what most people experience, experience after they eat. Sorry, I'm thinking way faster than I can talk. Mm. But that's what most people experience after they eat. And that's normalized. Like, hey, I just ate a whole bunch of food. Time to go take a nap. Like, no, we should be fueled. And I think that just speak, speaks wonders on our digestive system. Like what are we actually meant to break down easier? So if you, I can eat a couple pounds of meat and feel fine, my stomach feels fine, my digestion is perfect. That's letting me know that maybe this is a species appropriate way of eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, Ian, you know, in a few things like that too, just because like I'm extremely fortunate that I'm working with like a team of professionals that like actually analyze my body through this. So it's not just how I feel. And it's not just like a narrative, you know, like a, like a description or diary saying like, this is how I feel like I'm extremely fine doing like how my body feels anyway. But, you know, I also, you know, have people doing the body imaging, like unfortunately because of COVID-19 um, body comp imaging, shout out body comp imaging, white rock uh, body comp imaging, Vancouver. Um, they do my body scan. So they get infrared, uh, like thermal imaging scans, like x-rays, bone density, like whole bit. And I, actually really wanted to see like if my bone density would have changed, you know, because of the leaching out of like the magnesium and stuff like that. Um, you know, my body pulling it out of my bones to be able to feel my body because I wasn't intaking anything. Um, to see if there was a difference there. Um, but getting my blood analyzed, cause I also get my red blood cell count and my, or my red blood cells and my white blood cells, um, like actively analyzed, um, in a live culture. So, you know, like I get my skin pricked and it goes on the slides underneath the microscope and we bring it up on the screen and we'd be able to get to see it. Um, you know, and like my red blood cells, like just like the massive like coagulation, like the clumping together of my cells um, was alarming because there's this, there was massive clumps that were so big that on the screen, it, it extended through the slide on the screen, which I've never seen before. 
Um, I had signs of gout forming in my red blood cells, which like that was alarming because like I've never seen that before, like at all. Um, and I was showing the beginning stages of leaky gut, um, which was really hard for me. Like just like seeing my, uh, my antibiotic levels were back up in my bloodstream, which that was really hard for me to take, especially since I go so far to be able to source food and meats that don't have antibiotics in them. And, you know, about two months ago, I actually isolated the source that was really elevating my antibiotic levels is this certain chicken I was getting um, from a grocery store here that was supposed to not have antibiotics in it, and it does. So it made me realize even if you are buying antibiotic-free or thinking you're buying antibiotic-free meat, it doesn't always necessarily mean that you are. Um, so that was tough. So seeing these levels like increase and actually having that visual like evidence, and just because I have so much history in, in like all of these um, in all these tests and stuff that had them done so many times, like I know exactly what's in my blood, what's going on in my blood. Um, we also um, seen a pinworm in my blood, which is normal. Lots of people have pinworms and parasites in their body, like all the time, um, you know, stuff like that. So it was interesting seeing these visuals that have changed in only 30 days, um, because I know that they are not normally present there at all. So like that was actually really hard for me to see yesterday. That's actually shocking for me to hear, but maybe that's an eye-opener for me too, that eating all meat, like we talked about, may not be the end-all be-all answer for everything. Mm -hmm. Because that that's kind of scary for my mind to kind of process hearing those numbers in your experiences, because that's where you have a one-up on me. I just go by how my body feels, yeah. how my mind's functioning, things like that. And I don't know what my blood looks like right now. I'm, I'm not sure from start to finish or my bone density. I'm not sure about that. I can only give you anecdotal evidence that, for an example, when I was on the ketogenic diet and I was this same size about a year and a half ago, if I were to do a lunge with my body weight, my bones would be cracking. It, I could hear it. They would pop. It, it would just be uncomfortable. It's almost as if my bones didn't want to just carry the mass of the rest of my my body weight. And I just could not do it. Now I can do that plus weight. And I feel like they're just, like I said, I feel like there has been some tissue repairing between the joints in my body because now I don't hear those cracks anymore. I don't feel the pops or the hurting. And I want to attribute that to the way that I'm, the way that I'm eating, but maybe that's the inclusion of just really good nutrients and minerals that I'm absorbing from my food now compared to the ketogenic diet that I was doing prior. That was kind of like dirty keto. So the same thing, like when it comes to clean and dirty carnivore, I was doing more crappy keto. I was just doing bulletproof coffees and not prioritizing good quality meats. The meats that I was getting were from the grocery store and they weren't grass fed at all. I, they were just low grade meats, whatever I could afford at the time. Versus yeah. now I'm prioritizing the sources of the meat consumption that I'm getting. So yeah, you're your opening collagen, up my Yeah, your collagen intake would go up, which would help with all that because the, the meat sources that you're eating and like the type of meat that you're eating, like you'd be intaking more collagen into your body, which would help with the things that you just described and stuff. But see, like, in, like these are the things to me is because this is why I chose to do this experiment in the first place is because most people don't track anything except for just how they feel. You know, but, you know, because for me, I came in from a perspective of being extremely dialed in, which most people don't, you know, but if I was to do this, eating the standard American or standard Canadian diet, and then all of a sudden, like, I would have felt better, but I also would have been having these effects too. But I also came in with like, like 
really good looking blood, really good looking like blood cell counts, very low parasite levels, you know, like no signs of like leaky gut or inflammation, gout, um, cholesterol or anything in, in my bloodstream like at all, which again, so it's a really good place to be able to start from because then you kind of see like the raw data of, um, you know, like what is going to happen. And uh, Ariel Jarvis show, Ariel Jarvis at Vitality Wellness who analyzes my blood, um, she's huge in a plant-based. So like, there's a part of it, like, I love how sciencey she is. Like, she's just geeks out on everything to do with like, you know, Eastern medicine, diet, nutrition, and everything. Um, and she's plant-based. So she's like, I'm going to get you in like, well, she's like, you're going to get yourself based on like a plant-based diet, not only reverse all these effects on the carnivore diet, but further ahead than what you came into this experiment with. Now, I think she's a little jaded in her, you know, in her perspective and stuff, and which is totally fine because like everybody is. Um, but I do know because of like what the, some of the things that like what we've talked about where you've added like the avocado and, you know, like those kind of things like into a diet that there needs to be those additions. And so I do think my health like will like improve and some of these things will go away. But I'm so glad that I did them because I wouldn't know. And the same reason why most people wouldn't because a lot of people don't have access to like that kind of stuff because it's all expensive, like, you know, because the people who've decided to be able to sponsor this experiment, um, you know, I get probably about like $800 worth of like analytics done to my body, um, like comp, you know, because they've decided to sponsor this experiment so that they can then arm their clients and, you know, people in their lives with the information that coincides with it. Um, but I wouldn't be able to afford that either, like on an ongoing experiment, if I had to put the bill for the entire thing, um, it's ridiculously expensive, you know, but I think like going every once in a while, you know, and even like with you, because you've been doing this for like so long, if you just had like a, an idea, even if you did one thing, like a bone density scan, because that kind of tells the story about your entire body. Um, you know, like if your bone density is low, then, you know, like there's, there's definitely changes that need to be um, made to like your diet. So like a bone density scan is like, like the key, like kind of holy grail. It tells you like a plethora of information past that. So what would you say to the average Joe that just wants to get healthier, feel better, get rid of all these problems that they may be experiencing, but they, like you said, it could be really pricey to get these tests done. What should they look out for? What are major keen signs, keen signs that something's not functioning correctly for them? You know, I think, see, I have a really big problem with this because I don't want to believe people are so stupid. You know, and I think that people are ignorant and I think people are stupid and I think people are being naive only to themselves, not to the general public, not to everything. But I, I refuse to believe that when somebody's eating at McDonald's, that they think that that's healthy for them. I refuse to believe that when somebody's saying they're eating like a bag of sour keys or Swedish berries or something like that, that they actually think that that is healthy. Um, because I know that we are all smarter than that, knowing that these like processed foods and these sure, these foods that contain like extreme amounts of sugar and like how bad they are. Um, the one thing that I think that people don't know is like something that we've talked about a little bit already is that people have grown up like this. Like people have grown up with the cookies, the ice cream, all the candy, the chips, McDonald's. So I don't think people actually really know what healthy feels like. So when they start walking down that road, you know, and like, what does mental clarity really feel like? 
Wani, like you need to live like a week or two or a month with actually having good mental clarity. Mental clarity is not Red Bull. And like, that's how we associate these things. Now it's like, well, I want to feel how I feel drinking a Red Bull. So if I start getting healthy, like, well now, like I've said, eat healthy and my stomach hurts. I started wanting to eat healthy. Now I'm in the bathroom all the time. You know, like I'm bloated, I'm getting these headaches. And it's like, well, your body's got to readjust and get all this junk out of it. So you're going to go through this process the same way if you start working out one day. It's not going to be a seamless process to not working out for 10 years. Then you go into the gym and crush a workout and feel fantastic. Your body's got to acclimate to that new environment. But we don't give ourselves that same grace with food. You know, now with food comes with like the advertising, the packaging, the abundance of shitty food, you know, and like the lack of good quality food, the expense of good quality food. You know, it's like when you're looking at like, like saying to people, like, what are you looking for? Like, I, I know we all know what we're looking for. I know we all know this science, but I just think that we are chronically getting lazy when it comes to our health. And there's companies willing to be able to step in and fill that void to be able to make everything like easier. Um, so we don't actually know what good health feels like because good health initially feels bad until you get to that point of being able to like start to feel good from like the new protocols you're on. And that's why I always say to people, and I reference it back to like, I've spent 36 years getting to this point because it has been, you know, I might make little adjustments along the way and stuff, but like I continue to try to educate and, add things, take things, mm -hmm. things at different times and all that kind of stuff. Because I know, like, I, I want to educate myself on that because it is about living, you know, healthy and good. And you should wake up and feel great. Like you shouldn't feel chronically parched. Your skin shouldn't be dry. Your lips shouldn't be dry. You know, like, um, you shouldn't be irritable during the day. Like, um, you shouldn't have mm -hmm. a great box slump. You know, we shouldn't be staying up for 20 hours in a day. Um, you know, we shouldn't be playing on our phones for four or five hours a day, like all of these things that bring down our quality of life, you know, like, could you imagine if human beings got to this point by having like a three o'clock slump, that would mean that every predator that roamed this planet would be like, they would just sit in a cave or sit in a tree and wait for, you know, like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And they would just pick off human beings and just eat us all, you know, <laughs> like 15, 20,000 years ago, because we would have been easy targets because we would have been super lethargic. We would have been like a bunch of senior citizens walking around in the late afternoon through the entire course of our lives, which leads me to believe we obviously weren't like that. Like we were obviously like high functioning during the day when we were there. And if we're feeling any of those signs of like, like you said, irritability, you know, like, like peaks and valleys in the blood sugar, you know, like, you know, very manic and depressive, like episodes, like those things aren't common. Like we would have never have got here if that's how we were supposed to live every day. Yes, definitely. And I love how you said that we aren't that stupid and we really treat ourselves like everything that we're doing is okay. And I feel like you have a big message to send out to people and I want more and more people to listen to your podcast. Because, I mean, you have a lot of good information to give out. We should not be feeling this kind of way. And we should increase the value of our life and the, what we're doing on this earth. What we're meant to do is just live and be happy. And we have a bigger purpose than to drink a Red Bull in the afternoon to get through the day because of work or whatever you got to do. And I, I'm sorry, I'm just...
I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. This is where I'm noticing something with the way that something is going on with the way that I'm eating. Just to go off topic here just a little bit. I feel very mentally foggy right now. And I, I had a really hard time sleeping last night and I'm trying to figure out why that is. Is it the inclusion of plant foods again? I mean, my electrolytes feel fine. I'm drinking a ton of water and I feel like I'm not as parched as I was before, but right now I'm experiencing really bad fogginess and I'm attributing that to like a glitch feeling from adding in something different. And I don't know if I'm really a good person to be speaking on this right now, just because I am feeling some side effects from the change in my diet. Do you know what I mean? But people need to hear that though. Like, like where you say that, like, you don't think that you're a good person to be able to speak on it. Like, I think you are. And that's why I want to be candid with people. It's like, no, I don't think the carnivore diet is the best diet for everybody. I don't think any quote unquote diet is the best diet for like anybody. I think people can be, certain people can have better um, results. I think that what it really comes down to is that if it's from the earth, it's for our body. You know, and like, you know, the, um, the carnivore diet, you know, may have really helped you bridge a few gaps. Like, I think the one thing that I really benefited from, from the carnivore diet is valuing eating less or understanding what satiated actually really feels yes. like this means, you know? So like when you explain that you're feeling some side effects of the carnivore diet, people need to hear that because people can then still stay on the carnivore diet, but maybe like, you know, or predominantly meat. So I won't call it carnivore. Diet. I'll just say like predominantly meat. Um, yeah. Like animal based. Yeah. Animal based, um, you know, diet and, but just add a few other things in because this is also what I don't like about the health and fitness industry, especially like when it comes to diet and nutrition is that if you don't stay in the lane of like carnivore diet, a, if you step out of that, you fail. If you step out of that, you're no longer a carnivore. If you step out of that, um, you're not doing it right. Or, you know, like it is detrimental for your body or it's better for your body. Like any of these things, it's like, well, what if you feel fantastic with having 90, 95% meat in your diet and five or 10% plant-based, you know, the same reason why there's somebody might feel fantastic at like 90, 95% plant-based and five or 10% animal-based, but that's the beauty about how we're all so different. You know, and, you know, and I think like, this is where we need to like educate ourselves. Cause like, I think in the 36 years that I've been on this planet and the nine years that I've had children for, um, a couple of days ago, the most amazing moment happened to me like ever, like it literally just almost brought tears to my eyes. And I've told everybody about it. Um, my oldest daughter was like, you know, dad, um, she's like, I think I want to do this plant-based thing too. And I was like, and just out of nowhere, we're just driving down the, like, it was completely out of nowhere. We're like, I don't ever push this stuff on my kids. Like I do it. Like I, I encourage them just by through passive education. Like I'm not like you have to eat like this. This is, this isn't how like we're eating, you know, like I'll make different meals for everybody because I realize everybody's different. Um, but I said to her, I'm like, you know, pick a goal for how many days you want to do it for. So she came up with 15 days, you know, she got on her tablet and she's on like all these different websites. I didn't help her at all. She came up with recipes and a grocery shopping list and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we need. And like, that's always my message on this podcast is it's, it's passive education. People will hear like, 
oh, you gotta be carnivore, you gotta be carnivore, you gotta be carnivore. And then somebody will listen to this and they're like, oh, well, I can be predominantly meat-based, but I also can add these other things in and I'm gonna feel fantastic. I don't have to eliminate meat. Meat's not the enemy, you know, but like what's more beneficial to me is like, I can't tell you, Priscilla, what's the best thing. Like I can suggest to you right now, I bet you if you added in a tablespoon of coconut oil, like every day, then you know about after four or five days, like it would really change your life. Um, you know, cause there's like probably an 80 to 90% chance that that would happen, you know, but it also may not happen because your body is slightly different, but like, right. I would suggest that for you because there's one molecule that's in coconut oil. And since you've been talking about this, I've been racking my brain to try to remember what it is. Um, but it's an abundance in coconut oil. And it's like one of the few things that actually crosses the blood brain barrier. Um, and it's extremely, extremely healthy for your brain. Um, and I, this, the one thing that is the reason why I regularly consume coconut oil, like I consume about like six to eight tablespoons of coconut oil every single day. Um, and it was actually when I switched to the carnivore diet, it was one of the things that made me very apprehensive. Um, because I also noticed the massive reduction in inflammation from all my activity because of avocado and coconut oil. And I was really, really like apprehensive about taking those things out because um, like I log about three to five fitness hours every single day of like varying different degrees of intensity. And they're, they're all very abnormal, you know, like running on an assault runner with an Atlas pack with a 25 pound plate on in an oxygen mask, or, you know, running hill repeats with that pack on, or going in the backcountry and, you know, doing 50 K in a day, like all these things like that, that's my normal day. You know, so like I need stuff that combats that. So when I'm eliminating things that I know that help that is really hard for me. And like, that's like, you know, when, when you talk and when you're saying like, you know, like, because you're performance based too, like you work out like fitness and health and everything is, is valuable to you. So, you know, when you say that, because a lot of people are going to go on the carnivore diet are going to be in that same category. And they want to know that like, I can do this meat based diet, but I just might need to add these other couple simple things in to make sure that my performance stays at an optimal level. So I add honey in for my performance. It's still from an animal, but that gives me the little bit of carbohydrates that I need for the level of intensity that I do, because I do my first hour complete heavy compound lifts. And then the second half is hypertrophy work. That takes up a lot of glycogen just in the first hour. I'm probably depleted after that. So adding in intro workout carbohydrates, that's what helps me get through my workout. And a lot of people might say, hey, that's not carnivore either, but that's what we're saying. These little tweaks here and there, whatever helps you perform the best, be the best you that you can be, I think that should be okay and not knock down at all. And just to go back a little bit, that molecule in coconut oil, were you talking about the MCTs? Um, no, it's not the medium chain triglycerides. It's, um, I think it starts with a C. Oh. I'm sure we'll think about it later. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's, just, it's like, it's on the tip of my tongue and then it's going to be one of those things I'm going to start with. I'm going to say it starts with a Z and it's going to start with like an R or something, but, um, like it's right there. Like I just want to spit it out, but it's, uh, but yeah, it's in, it's in a bunch, but like, I, I really notice like the mental clarity. Um, it's so like the coconut oil for like the clarity of the mind, because I noticed this yesterday when I did my physical testing. And so like my strength and conditioning testing is a part of like this diet. So like I do all the body imaging scans, um, like, uh, like heavyweight training. So 
it's I lift my body weight for bench press, deadlift, squats, and uh, neutral grip chins. Um, I do my one mile run time, uh, battle ropes, low plank, static wall squat. I do like all these things as like a measure. So um, my strength was way down and my performance was way down. And I don't really think it has as much to do with my physical body as what somebody might perceive that to be. I could not get my mind into it. Like that's the part that really irritated me the most because I have noticed like on the carnivore diet, I have no fifth gear. I'm flat. It's like I have to grind from third to fourth, but I do not have like a fifth gear. So like that were like normally like that intensity rises and my testosterone levels were up when we did my, my blood work. So like that wasn't, you know, anything like it wasn't like my testosterone levels were low, but I had a really hard time zeroing in my focus of just wanting to like beast out, you know, like I, I could not get there no matter how hard I tried. Like it just like my mind fought me every step of the way yesterday when I did my fitness testing. Oh boy, I wish I could agree with that, but I don't because I feel like maybe if your um, experiment would have went 60, 90 days, maybe you would have experienced that peak again because I feel like my workouts are even better, which made me want to get to these heavy lifts, which, yeah. you know, result in me adding in the honey towards the end of my, sh my workout. But I feel like I'm more revved up to work out now than I was ever before in my life. But then again, you have more years on on me working out. This was just the beginning of the journey and carnivore was that peak for me. And now I'm noticing little things need to be adjusted, of course. But when it comes to the mind and stuff, I, I lean more towards carnivore just because my daughter, she has a sensory disorder. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but basically she feels really uncomfortable in her skin. There were moments and this is where I kind of knew something was off with my daughter, I always kind of knew, like trailing back to infancy, but we were at a birthday party and when we got there, we were one of the first ones to get there, the room was quiet and she got to witness everyone walking in. She got to analyze her environment first. She was still in diapers, I had to go change her diaper and when we came back, the entire room was rearranged. They were playing games. Yeah. She was very uncomfortable with them changing the room she didn't see it happen she just came back into the room and it was different yeah she lost all control and it wasn't a normal age-appropriate tantrum it was she just could not process what was going on it was like it was hurting her almost and she started smacking her head on the ground uncontrollably and I was just like I I don't know maybe it's a tantrum because sometimes kids do that but then I noticed it at the grocery store again where it, she just looked like she was in pain all the time. Come to find out it was a sensory disorder. And this was still in the journey of me losing weight and eating keto. And I was like, well, if this is helping me, why wouldn't it help my daughter? If it's making me feel good. Why won't it make her feel good? Especially when I went carnivore, then I went just all in. I made sure that my daughter was eating her liver and I made sure she was eating animal based Fruits were basically treats. They were like the equivalent to cake that you see kids get, <laughs> like that yeah. kind of enjoyment. Nature's and right? now her on her IEP, she doesn't have a sensory disorder. They say that I cured it, she can tolerate it. And those symptoms all arise when she starts eating differently again. Then it then the same thing, hitting her head, she can't talk. 
she's just, it's like her skin's crawling almost. And it, it's painful to watch your own child go through that. But now that it's managed through food, she's doing other things that other three-year-olds do. She's talking, she's laughing. Before she wouldn't go play with children. She just want to be all by herself. Now she actually engages in play. And now she's starting to speak. And she's she was very late on speaking for this reason. It's one of the symptoms. Her brain just operates a little bit See, and like this, this brings back to like the point that like, I always want everybody to, to remember. So two things here is that for one, just because this is what I experienced does not mean that this is what other people had experienced too. It could be better or worse. Like this is just, I only just trying to relay it like how I feel, but I do, I do not ever want to try to convince people that this is how they will feel, or this is what it's like to be on the carnivore diet this is only what it's been like for me and my body to be on the carnivore diet now i look at your daughter being the same thing as like michaela peterson like obviously like there's like the benefits like it it, it doesn't become contraindicated like the the benefits far outweigh whatever like the detriments may be and you just might have to supplement a few other things in because you you definitely want to if you worked with like healthcare professionals they told you that this um, sensory, you know, disorder has gone and you see it. And then you also see it coming back to the change of diet. You obviously want to keep her on this diet. I would for my child too, because I would never want to see my children, you know, go through something like that. The same thing like with Michaela, if she would have done this before she got all her surgeries done on her joints, it would have saved her all of that discomfort in all of those surgeries. And then if you look at it from a social perspective, not the taxation on our healthcare system, getting all those surgeries. So like, there's a lot of like benefits and, and this is the uniqueness of our bodies, you know, and this is like what, you know, like we talked about before too, is that everybody's bodies are so unique, but the one thing that nobody can ever convince me is that somebody's body is so unique that they function in a healthy way for themselves personally or for society, eating processed foods. That's the only thing nobody will ever be able to convince me from. And I think like the benefit of COVID-19, and I've talked about this with quite a few people, is that if anything that's going to force us to shop local, buy local, eat more nose to tail, stop eating processed foods, be healthier of a society, it's things like COVID-19. You know, if you're in your 30s in a high risk category for type 2 diabetes, guess what? Now you might die from COVID-19. I'm 36. I'm not going to die from COVID-19. I might get a little bit of a runny nose for 10 minutes and that's it. My body will fight that off. I arm my immune system with what it has because the food that I eat and the food in the way that I decide to live. Now, if other people did these things, if we started to make a shift towards eating healthier, eating more local foods, being a little bit more socially responsible for what we put in our bodies and actually just willing to be able to take the time out to be able to understand our bodies and what actually works. You know, like you've taken the time out for you. You've taken the time out for your daughter. I've taken the time out for me. It, it's not an arduous task to be able to do this. You just have to want to do it. It has to be more of a want than ordering skip the dishes on your app. It has to be more of a want than standing in line at McDonald's. It has to be more of a want than buying 10 bags of Skittles because they're on for 50 cents at Walmart right now. Like <laughs> it has to be more of a want than those things. And that's things for me, like, I love feeling awesome. Like I love waking up. I love sleeping four or five hours a night, waking up, feeling awesome. I love, you know, like playing squash for an hour, then lifting weights for an hour, then going for a run and then hitting up the back country, feeling great. Body feels fine. Go to sleep, wake up the next day and do it all over again. Like I love all of those things, you know, like, 
I love generating new ideas. I have a very entrepreneurial mind. It runs in my family. I, I love that. So I don't understand like why people want to resist feeling great and feeling groggy and making life itself like this arduous task, just be able to pull our body and our mind through it because it just doesn't make any sense. But we've lost this association with what I put in my body is actually making life itself hard. Anything outside of laying in bed, it's making that hard. And I really hope that's the silver lining in this COVID-19 thing is that people take a hard look at their health and wellness and be like, I almost died or I could have died because of this. Or we had to shut the world economy down because so many people are unhealthy that we can't just naturally combat something that happens. It's historically happened in humanity hundreds, if not thousands of times. And it happens in nature all the time too. You know, but like we, if we had better defense systems, you know, like because we choose to live healthier lives by choosing like to investigate what's going to be the best for our body nutritionally, you know, like we would just have a better quality of life in so many different regards. Yeah, everyone's so excited about this vaccine that's supposedly going to be coming out for COVID-19. But I think the first answer is to prevention is just taking care of your body and your mind and not having to rely on modern day medicine has its place. I mean, a lot of people are out here helping people survive through this really hard time, but we still need to remember where it all stems from. And that's from our health, from our activity level, from what we eat, and people don't associate that. And I think that just, it gets underneath my skin and it makes me sad and on a whole different level because we don't make that association at all, like you said. Yeah, you know, and like, like how and why do you think that started? Like, you know, like, e like we always want our lives to be easier. And a lot of this, like, you know, kind of stems from like, like drive-throughs, processed food, don't have to cook, it's already made, pre-made meals, like, it has made things like easier, but for hundreds of thousands of years, we struggled for nutrition. We struggled for food. Like we struggled to be able to just sustain our lives like nutritionally. And then in like a few like short decades, we are just basically like, forget it, forget it all. Forget about it. Like we're going to go with donuts and ice cream and McDonald's and KFC and hungry man dinners and you know, process packaged everything. And it's like, it came off the wheels came off the bus so fast. Like, like, why do you think we've done that? And like, why do you think people refuse to correlate their nutrition with like how bad they feel or a lot of our preventable lifestyle diseases? Well, a convenience mainly it's easier to go through the drive-thru and pick up a 20 piece chicken from kfc for your family right like you just worked a long day you don't want to go home and cook you're tired this is just easier it's easier to give your two-year-old that's screaming at you just a bag of chips to make them stop it's just easier and that's where we need to dial back and realize that that's not the way we were doing things historically. Our ancestors were out here hunting for our food and we just get the convenience of going to the grocery store. I mean, that's even a better step than going through a drive-through or picking up just candy and tossing it to your kids so they stop whining at you. 
these are choices that we don't realize because it's normalized. I mean, you look on the TV and they're giving you another supplement that's supposedly going to give you energy. Why do you need to buy that product that they're throwing at your face through media and to just get it through the food that you eat? Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a question people need to ask themselves, but they don't know because we're not taught this stuff. That's why we need to talk about it more. We need to put it in everyone's faces and it's still foreign. Like I have uh, not arguments, but we just don't see eye to eye yet when it comes to the way that I raise my children and the way that my parents feel about it. My mother and I were actually just having a discussion yesterday. She said, I feel as if you just need to start giving your daughter X, Y, Z. And I was like, I just don't feel that way because it was my mother's birthday. I'm like, I just don't feel that way. There is no reason for her to have these treats. And she's like, we celebrate through these foods, Priscilla. Like, come on. And I'm like, I just don't see the nutritional benefit of her having cake versus her having a treat today as a banana. And she said, well, that's, that's not what we did when you were a kid. Well, look where that left me. I was severely obese. I, <laughs> I was, I'm 5'4", and I ended up being over 200 pounds that's not healthy. And that's where we just need to keep talking about it. Continue to push the message, continue to preach that whole foods. If it's not carnivore diet, if it's not keto, whatever, I think paleo just, you know, that's where we all need to really stem from whole foods. Food is medicine. Food is fuel. We need to start making that connection that food is fuel. It's not for pleasure. And I think I lost that connection a long time ago. And carnivore, again, that helped me personally. Um, that come full circle. Because again, having a little bit of binge issues with keto, still, I wasn't healed then. Now I am healed. I look as food as a fuel source and it's not for enjoyment it's to just get me through the day so i can perform to the best of my ability yeah absolutely yeah. well maybe that's a great place to be able to to wrap things up here i gotta shut it down in at least like five or ten minutes anyway because i got another meeting coming up but um is there anything else that that you'd like to add that you know you kind of want to get out there and shout out to uh the world or you know they just like speak on the half behalf of like carnivores or like, you know, like uh, maybe meat-based dieting or, you know, anything that you want to get out there? So where I want to go, before we leave, I would just want to say that if you're thinking about doing the carnivore diet because you're experiencing XYZ, headaches, depression, whatever, I just think it's a good idea to do for 30 days. See how you feel. After that, see if you're missing something. Try to reintroduce it. Wait a couple days. See how that makes you feel. If it doesn't make you feel good, cut it back out and then wait a couple more days, add something else in, if that's stuff that you really enjoy, because it's all about the quality of your life, right? You wanna be able to do something that's sustainable, that makes you happy. And if carnivore isn't it, we still need to get away from the process stuff and experience that mental clarity and the energy levels that we all really need and that we want. So that that's kind of where I wanna leave it at. Yeah, and don't get so stuck in, the, in one singular, singular lane right you know they like like start somewhere like what you did you know you started essentially like with the ketogenic diet morphed into the carnivore diet and, you know now you're kind of like on this um like meat-based diet you know or like predominantly meat-based diet you know like where you're willing to be flexible and, and as you know more and as you listen to your body you're willing not to you're willing to get out of your own way for your own health so you're willing to constantly make changes and i think that that's what people need to realize too because like i know i remember when chris kressler said you know like 
you, we would never eat like you would you would never want to work the same job you would never want to train the same way you never want to drive the same car you never want to do all these things why would we think that if i'm on the same diet right now that for the next like 60 70 80 years i should eat exactly that same way every single day it just doesn't even make any sense right right exactly so, yeah giving yourself like giving yourself the graciousness of just allowing that that change to occur Exactly. You need to be open-minded because not all food is bad. If it's a whole food, I don't think it's going to be dangerous for you. I mean, if you're experiencing a lot of issues, then yeah, it is. But I think we, as humans, we evolved by eating seasonally and being animal-based anyway. So that's the big takeaway here is animal-based, you know, seasonal fruits and vegetables and I just don't see the need. We do not need carbohydrates to live. That's at least where I stand personally. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I am actually a firm believer of, of that. And I stand behind that statement for, uh, for me personally. And I know there's a lot of people who, who feel that same way too. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> well, I definitely hope that this is not the, the last we see you. I always thoroughly enjoy having these conversations with you and, and it's uh my pleasure and my honor to be able to have you on and thank you for interviewing me on the wrap-up of this carnival ride. No, thank you. <laughs>